the mission that I feel like I'm on now is anybody that thinks that they're normal, um, we need to rebrand that for them. Uh, there are no normal folks. And so what I'm trying to do is figure out how to ignite people that think that they're normal to realize that they've got epic shit welling up inside of them. Why, hello there, friends. Welcome to Let's Give a Damn, a podcast about people who give a damn, by people who give a damn, and for people who give a damn. That's right, you, that's you. I'm so glad you're here. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm sitting here drinking some coffee, which is not abnormal at all. I drink so much coffee. And I'm enjoying a beautiful day here in Nashville. It's been raining like crazy the last few weeks. So this sunshine and 60-ish degree weather is a welcomed relief. You did not ask for the weather, but it's such a great day. And my experience with Nashville weather is that the weather just sucks. Like it's either too hot or too cold or too weird. And so today is wonderful. Had to share it with you. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for showing up today. This is a special, special, special episode. Do you wanna know why? It is our 100th podcast episode. Yes, 100, 100, cue the fireworks, cue the hoots and the hollers, cue the applause. I'm so excited. I can't believe we made it this far. I have a feeling we have hundreds of episodes to go, but for now, let's celebrate the fact that I and we have put out 100 episodes and that you've listened to them. Well, let's be honest, probably not all of them, but someone's listening out there, lots of someone's in fact, and I'm so grateful for this platform, for this opportunity, for all of our guests, and yes, I'm grateful for you. So stop, pause, celebrate with me. This is super awesome. Okay, stop celebrating. On to our guest for today. Well, we can keep celebrating with our guest. My guest today is Thad Beatty. If you're into the country music scene, you might know Thad as Sugarland's guitarist, as well as a bunch of other bands and music projects in his past. You may also know his wife, Annie, who plays bass guitar for the incredible Marin Morris. But if you haven't heard of Thad before, that's about to change. Thad, my friends, is incredible. He went from living an unhealthy life as a tour musician to losing over 70 pounds and becoming an Ironman triathlete. And that's only the beginning. I don't want to give away too much here at the front end of the podcast, but I do know that you're going to enjoy this conversation for so many reasons. You have my word, in fact. And this podcast, as you know, comes with a 100% no questions asked refund policy if you disagree with me. I kid. But I know that you're going to love it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation on the 100th episode of Let's Give a Damn with Thad Beatty. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Thad. Well, thanks for having me. It's I'm lovely. So, I'm so excited that you're here. Me too, me too. We have tons to talk about. We met a couple months ago Yep. for coffee. Um, and I really, 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 really enjoyed our time. Me too. And I knew that we needed to talk further on these mics for well, everyone I, to hear. I felt as though I was uh, pressing you uh, just to make sure we could do it because I, I felt an awesome connection with you and was ready to go. You, got, you had me fired up. I'm and glad. And I was ready to dive in. I have that effect on people. Not always for, like, I think it's a blessing and a curse that I can... I've always sort of joked that I could like sell shit to a blind kid. Like I can get people fired up about anything, but sometimes that can be used for. Are you going to sell me cleaning supplies and no, vitamins No today? cleaning supplies, no Amway, okay. no essential oils, nothing today. Okay. This is strictly conversation. Not even one of those like spinal neck swings that you hang over the, the, uh, the door in your bedroom to. I've never seen one of those. Oh, that's a, yeah. Is that a thing? Oh Yeah. Has anyone yeah. tried to sell you one? No, okay. uh, Instagram has. Of course. Oh, Instagram. Instagram tries to sell me a lot of things. Yes, a few of which I'm a taker for. You've bought stuff off of Instagram. I have. I'm not. I mean, I'm not yeah. judging. One of the things that I bought off Instagram, and not to sidetrack us before we dive into the deeps, uh, I bought my wife a handmade music box with a little crank and goes ding 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 ding. You know? Yeah, it was uh, plays the Harry Potter theme. And uh, I bought this. See, that's just Christmas not a bad stuff. purchase at all. No, I mean it's Harry Potter. One of the one of the um, I guess they would be the the uh, um, the little tuning forks that has a specific specific pitch. Yep, is a little off. 
But uh, I just talk through that, and, and it, it works out great. And this was sold to you on Instagram. Oh yeah, Instagram this, ad this came up on Instagram. Oh yeah. oh yeah, a music box. See, I've never yeah. gotten those. I get a lot of like software shit, and like yeah, Tony Robbins comes through and tries. To get yeah, me to see, come that's to his what's event. happening now. Is it's a lot of um, uh, mastermind classes and and you know various uh, brain training. Yep. So I think it's uh, also uh, uh, I get a lot of stuff for uh, van life. You know, camper Van? camper vans and used RVs. So, um, are they listening in on your conversations? I think they are. I think see they that are. still weirds me out. Like, I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of it. People are always like, ah, oh, get the phone away, get the Alexa, you know, or the Google Home. I've turned house. off Siri. Like, see, I haven't even done that. Yeah, she, she, I'll say stuff all the time, and she, she's listening now. Oh yeah, but it, it so it doesn't scare me because I just don't, frankly, personally, this is my opinion. I don't have anything to hide. So, me like, either. nothing that I'm talking about. I don't care. Like. I'm not cool that you're listening in, but I don't care. And this is just part of moving forward in history. Like it's part of our evolution, but it's just, it's just weird when I say something and then 10 minutes later I go on Facebook or Instagram and there it is. I'm like, holy shit. Like what, how, I just don't understand how that actually works. I don't either. Like how does that work? Cause somebody on the other end, some Facebook ads guy made that connection for X company right? So if they hear something in the house, that's going to pop up for them and doesn't go in front of eyes that won't care about A friend that. of mine is a Silicon Valley software uh, type person. Yeah. And she has informed me during these conversations that there's plenty more to come. The worst part is when you are not involved in a conversation and someone near you is having the conversation. So I can remember a time where some people were talking about the best turmeric supplement and I was at the table next to them. And then later that day, I had turmeric supplement ads on the Instagram. See, that's weird shit. I also feel that the aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> yes, you do. Let's and get into all of that. Yes, yes. Let's get, let's get into all of that for sure. Uh, conspiracy theories. We've yes. got those for days, right? It will be great. People probably, most people listening, may not have a lot of context for who sure. you are. But you're very interesting, and there's so much that we've got to talk about. So uh, give us some context. Who the hell are you? Uh, maybe stop short of your, you know, your career and certain things you're doing right now. We'll sure. get into that. But like, where did you come from? Who are your parents? Do you have siblings? What did you like to do when you were younger? Because I think you know, that stuff always gives me pointers. Absolutely. Not always, but most of the time. It kind of points to some of the ways, you know, some of the reasons you are the way that you are. Well, if people can't tell by my my uh, southern drawl, I'm a I'm a I'm a little redneck kid from a small town in Mississippi. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a pharmacist. My folks split when I was pretty young, and so I was raised with my mom um, on a Mississippi school teacher salary, which I can remember a lot of times my, my mom would. Uh, uh, teach school. She would wait tables at night and then throw newspapers in the morning. So I always had some some understanding of of uh, of the the fight and the struggle and everything she did to to take care of us. Have a younger brother. Um, growing up as a kid, I was a skateboard punk, and you know, so you, now you have the convergence of the worlds, which is skateboard kid and redneck. So the two of those... It's a good look, probably. Yeah, the two, yeah talk about power mullet back yeah, in the day. Yeah, 100%. So the two of those things don't necessarily uh, match very well. So I had... Uh, but I was always able to get along with everybody. So even the, you know, the kids that wanted to beat up the nerdy kids or the skateboard kids or the rednecks versus the, the uh, uh, you know, the hoods or the whatever, I was always somehow able to be in the middle of just kind of uh, getting along with everybody. I don't really know why, but that was the case. Uh, as a skateboarder, you also needed to have a band, and so started started a in band. A garage. As a yes, so we started a band. I was in a band before I had instruments. The drummer finally got drums, and slowly over time, we got instruments. And uh, so, wait, it began. so you formed a band pre? Oh, pre having instruments. instruments. Oh, absolutely. So, what were you? How does that even happen? Like, what do you gather around, or just the idea? Of yeah, being well, in a you band? first you get together and figure out what songs you're going to play when you have instruments. And this was, I mean, it was a, it didn't seem like it was a very long journey. Say a couple of months, each of us quickly learned a handful of songs. I can only imagine the uh, wonderful sounds that was were, were coming out of uh, coming out of us. We played a birthday party shortly thereafter. I can remember learning 
um, you know, the stereotypical, um, the Iron Man's and the rock you like a hurricane and peace dog by the cult and you so know. you're covering songs oh, yeah, yeah. you didn't There's, write no, you guys no. at that point weren't no writing. we're just the whole goal was just to see if we could get through something that seemed like a song together uh we moved when i was a, a 13 i also always played sports so here i am this this uh redneck skateboard kid but i also um was a pretty decent baseball player and so now i have this uh this whole this whole world between, okay, there's that, there's the music side of things. Um, in high school, I was in the marching band and, and was in the all-state band. So there was constantly this, are you going to play baseball? You're going to do music. You're going to do sports. You're going to do music. And for whatever reason, I just thought I can do both. They can both coexist. And they, uh, they kind of have continued to do that. Um, went to school on a classical guitar scholarship. That's right, classical guitar scholarship. Uh, you had the long fingernails? Had the long fingernails, yep, carried around thing. sandpaper in yep. my pockets. Yeah, you did. Constantly had the Revlon Diamond Emery boards. And uh, quickly realized that, that uh, uh, my thoughts of being a, co- a collegiate classical guitar professor uh, weren't going to be uh, uh, going the path that I wanted. When I was in college, there was one job opening in the United States. So I thought, uh, screw that, I moved wow. to Nashville. So moved to Nashville, uh, got the uh, electric guitars back out, and uh, the rest is history. So let's back up uh, a couple of steps, a few years. Mom and dad split. Mm-hmm. You said you stayed with your mom. Stayed with my mom. Why didn't you go with your dad? Like, why was did he not want you? Did you not want him? Um, what was kind of going on there? Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad ended up re- uh, getting remarried, and was just kind of starting and launching, you know, a whole new world. Uh, me being the, the, uh, you know, the angry skateboard kid that probably has a lot to do with it, but, but uh, he had already kind of transitioned, wasn't home a ton, taking mm-hmm. a job in yeah. another city. And so there it was, was just easier. Yeah. And it just made sense. And that's where I was comfortable. That's what I knew. So it wasn't tragic in my mind at the, uh, at the onset of it, you know, as you know, here we are, um, you know, a good 30 years later and I can draw a map to how that's impacted me. Um, yeah, did anyone else ever take his place either as a dad My mom or, never dated never one dated. time. Wow. After that. Was that intentional or she just it was I, just, I just I just think she was so hardwired to to think I got to get through this. I got to take yeah. care of these she kids. Had two, and, yeah, boys and she was mm-hmm. obviously working a ton. Like dating's yep. probably not top of mind. No. And so she just got got to the point where she was used to being that way. I think she probably um uh, whether she regrets it, I don't know, and I'm not gonna, you know. Yeah. I could, I could theorize, and uh, we've had tons of conversations about it throughout the years. Um, but did did anyone else ever play that role of, de- the, or, or was it just your gang, your sports, yeah. music? I think I had some awesome mentors throughout the years. I got, I got into. When I was in high school, I was accepted by a local classical guitar professor, and that's how I, I, I kind of started that journey. That was in 10th grade. And just having some direction on something that was super focused. Uh, so music teachers and, and not necessarily sports folks, just because in Mississippi it was more of somebody's dad just putting the team together. Right. But the music world is where I really started to have some people help guide and focus. Went to college and had... Um, you need to have a, a minor for whatever reason um, in the major that I had. And so I decided, okay, I'll minor in religion. That sounds cool. Um, I'll be like Were this. you religious at all in your background? Mm-hmm. Okay. Grew up in a, in a Christian home. and uh, uh, So my, my background definitely came from there. And uh, you ebb and flow throughout the years, of course. Sure. And so I just wanted a, a, an awesome kind of overall snapshot of everything that was going on. Had to take Greek. I had to do all this other stuff, which I was terrible at. But I had an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, professor who challenged me, who uh, opened my eyes, who I, I think about to this day. You know, even as simple as thoughts like if you only read things that you agree with, you're never going to learn anything. Mm. And so I, I think we've gotten to the place in the world today where it's so reductionist, especially here in the States where you got two options. It's, uh, it's black or it's white. It's Republican or it's Democrat. It's, it's uh, spiritual or not. It's, uh, there's this massive crevasse. I think, it's led, I think it's led everybody to also have this mindset of you've only got two options. It's perfection or failure. Yeah. And you look around and you see a, a ton of folks 
um, paralyzed by inactivity because they feel the only results are one of those two. And it's defined, I think it's defining generations it to come. It has defined. And it's, it already has defined generations yeah. and it will continue because we, we haven't learned the lesson. No, it's we haven't. It's very clear. And, and I think even too, that mindset has shifted us in such a direction that we can't even pay attention to the successes that other countries that, that don't necessarily uh, take the same approach some of the successes that they have, we, we're not even in a position to learn from those. Yeah. So whether it's what people might be doing with healthcare in other countries, or what they might be doing with social programs, or and this isn't even this isn't even from a political standpoint, thinking uh, left or right. It's just simple. This is working, and the people are benefiting from it, and it's responsible and good, and they're benefiting and they're growing and they're moving forward. So I think a lot a lot about that lately. What that has with being a redneck kid from Mississippi, I'm not really sure, but. Uh, it's got nothing and everything to do with yeah. it because it's the journey, right? Mm-hmm. So how did how did Nashville treat you? You moved here uh, as did and as do millions of people trying mm-hmm. to make it work. So what was your sort of Nashville journey like? It was fast, and I got very lucky, and I think even to this day I feel blessed and fortunate beyond anything I ever would have expected. One of the awesome things about growing up in a small town is you just try stuff constantly. You constantly are going to build your bike ramp over the the uh, sticker bushes. You're constantly going to do all kinds of things that, that require you to be creative just being outside. And, and you don't really think about what's going to happen if it doesn't work out. If it doesn't work out, then cool. You got a, you know, you got, you skinned up, skinned up knee, you got stitches. And, and so my mind was always hardwired just to go, oh, just go for it. Something's going to happen. If it doesn't work out, that means you'll just turn left next time. Mm. So I dive into Nashville, uh, not really thinking um, uh, one way or another about is this going to work or not. I just came, ended up getting a gig immediately, and the rest is history. What was that gig that was so fortunate for you? I got a gig with a band called Plum, which was um, uh, you know mid '90s, uh, a rock band that ended yep. up taking off. The very first tour we ever did was uh, support of a group called Jars of Clay. They had a massive pop hit called Flood, and the some of the first touring I Jars ever did. Jars did well for a while. Yes, they did well. And so we we hopped on that tour. The record did did well. They were pushing it to pop radio. So I'm I'm going from. A classical guitar major to uh oh now we're doing you rock know, shows rock shows and headed to New York and we're doing festivals and all that stuff on a bus. Uh, after that tour, it was oh now you have to get in the van and you drive around and and you sleep in the van and you figure out how to get from one venue to the next and and you had to use this thing called a payphone uh, to call people. Oh, yeah, those and, things. And you had to buy a map. Um, big, the big map that you open up. Yes. And it covers the whole windshield. Yeah, and it's kind of laminated. Hazard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have pagers. We didn't have... It was just you got in and you went and you checked in with everybody when you could and you hoped you didn't get uh, left at the, the gas station if you were sleeping in the back or somebody else was. So I remember going on road trips where I definitely remember the big maps, right? You've unfold them and you got to like trace your steps and figure out. But then it was so cool that we were able, when the internet was starting to become a thing, when we go on trips and they would go on to like map quest. Oh yeah. And they would print off. So then we'd, we'd yep. get into the car for our road trip or not even just road trip. Like we're going to a friend's house 20 minutes away for supper, right? They invited us over supper. We don't know how to get there. They're yep. new friends. So you have to print out your map. Oh, yeah. And then you got the f- physical map on one page, and you've got all the directions. Turn left at Laurel and turn right at Maine and turn left, you know. And six, when you print it out, you get you get eight extra pages yes. uh, with some ads. Why are those and, extra pages yeah. there? And it's yeah. the pages with nothing except just a little uh, uh, copyright script on the bottom, and it might print ten extra pages like that. Yes, I remember that all oh, too it's, well. It's, it's awesome. So there was a big... There was a big moment in your life. There was a health scare with your mom, mm-hmm. something that popped up that changed much of the trajectory of your life, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Tell, tell me about that because I think um, you and I have bonded over this a little bit because we have similar mindset about um, what you're going to talk about. I don't want to give it away. But um, yeah, what was that moment that kind of made everyone in your world kind of wake up and say, oh shit, like we've got to change some stuff? Yeah, I'd been on the road for about 10 years. I played with... Being in Nashville, you you bounce around, and and I think globally people don't recognize. Maybe they are recognizing it more so now, but Nashville has always been an epicenter for pop rock um, 
all these other genres besides just country. And so I had the opportunity to play with a ton of different people in a ton of different genres. I think Nashville, you know, you can get to uh, most markets. Uh, we're within 500 miles of, what, two-thirds of the, the music yep. markets. So I uh, transitioned, started playing with country artists, uh, started having some some good success, landed with a uh, an artist that... Uh, ended up being kind of world changing and game changing, not only for me but just for for a ton of folks. I met my wife there, and uh, she's here, also an artist, right? My S- wife, still yes, to this day, to this day, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I had been on the road full time for you know, geez, 10, 12, 15 years, and woke up one day and I'm uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, uh, comfortably overweight, I'll say. Uh, I was more rotund than uh, a guy in skinny jeans should probably be. But uh, you were still rocking those fucking oh, skinny jeans, Oh, heck right? yeah. 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 Yep. We were playing a show in Birmingham, Alabama. My mom called and said, hey, 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 I, I just went to the doctor. Everything's okay, but uh, I've been diagnosed with colon cancer. And I was like, okay. And at the time, we were on a pretty substantial headlining tour. You ingest that, and you kind of go back and forth, and so then you get, you know, you, you hop on WebMD, and you try to figure out everything, and you figure out the odds. And at this point, we don't even know what the treatment protocol is even going to look like. Before I even had time to really process that, um, one of our guitar techs was, uh, we were playing in Scranton, Pennsylvania now, and another big, another big show, I remember just because we'd always play the office theme when we were there, but... He was having some stomach issues, goes in, thinks it's diverticulitis. Uh, They pull some blood, and they say, oh, not diverticulitis, but lymphoma, stage four to be exact. Mm. And so he is not allowed to go home. So he is uh, admitted in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, immediately uh, going into treatment. We get him on treatment. My mom is, the course is is starting to make sense. Uh, uh, Chemo, radiation, upcoming surgery. A couple of weeks later, we'd, we'd had a, a replacement guitar tech while Kevin was in treatment. We played the Indianapolis State Fair. The stage collapsed. Seven people lose their lives. And this is mm. all in the course of about a month. Holy shit. And that's when I kind of realized that it was, it was time to, to dive in. Leading up to that, I was having chronic stress problems, uh, numbness in my arms, tingling in my fingers, all these kind of things. I'm thinking I'm, I've got ALS. I'm this is nine on. or ten years ago, right? Eight yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I can remember very vividly being in Los Angeles, California. We were staying at a hotel in Santa Monica, and everybody always walked to uh, this joint called Cha-Cha Chicken, which is like this Caribbean joint up the street. And I wouldn't leave the room because I was scared that I would feel tingling in my legs or my arms or something. And, and I was convinced that I had some, some debilitating condition. But uh, lo and behold, it's just the culmination of my terrible health and my stress and uh, the way that I was living in an addictive personality and, and, and all these things. I guess over the course of about three weeks, the universe, God, whatever you want to say, uh, took, a, took a giant uh, two before and whooped me on the head and said, it's time to redirect here. And uh, I decided to get my shit together with the help of my wife. And uh, here we are some, some years later. So I, I've also have a tour life in my past, not as a musician, but as a manager. Mm-hmm. I tour managed. And I remember those days being... They were great. I loved being on the road. Mm-hmm. They were so unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was different for... In fact, the tours I was on, it was different for the artists. At least in the, in the tour I was on, they got to take it a little easier. You know, they had things to do later on in the day. But we started, you know, the moment we land at the venue, from, you know, as soon as the buses park, we, we got to go. So I was working 17, 18-hour days. And... Dude, for three months at a time, I would live on coffee, Red Bull, cigarettes, and an occasional meal. When I would finally decide to stop and eat, yeah, I would and, eat. And more than and likely, would, it's a terrible meal. Oh, no, it's horrible. It was horrible. I mean, they did. There were options, but I, you know, if if I'm if I'm working eighteen hours a day, and I'm not in my right mind, I just, you know, it, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, Red Bull, everything. Like when I get to the table where there are probably healthier options when I get to the meal, I'm going for the thing that is going to fill me up 
Oh, and, absolutely. Right? So if there's if there's salad and smoothies versus, yeah, mac and cheese, whatever, I'm going for that because I know it's going to fill me up because I'm not going to be able to eat for another... It fills you, know, you up emotionally as well, at least it, for me. That was, the, that was the giant struggle is... is you know, it doesn't feel good sometimes to just to go nosh down a salad. I, I didn't have the same, uh, the, it just didn't impact my, uh, the dopamine. I didn't have a giant flood of this is awesome. Yeah. Um, so it was. Yeah. So you went, um, yeah, exactly. But you went from your, what, five, nine, five, ten. you know, again, not crazy obese yeah. at all, but you know, you're not like in the best shape of your life. You went from that to Ironman triathlete. What was that journey like? Because you had to make some significant changes. Did you have to come off the road for that? Or were you making food changes or or everything? Was it just all kind yeah. of a holistic? Man, I was 230 pounds. I'm right at 5'10 or so. And, and I think what happened was, honestly, in the moment, there's an organization called Music Cares, which is the Grammy Association's nonprofit that not a lot of people know about. But what they do is they show up when shit gets bad for musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, most musicians don't have 401ks or retirement or health insurance or any of that other stuff. Yeah. And this organization shows up when the only option is rehab or the only option is chemo, or the only option is uh, uh, some other form of treatment that's needed, and they say, we got your back, we'll take care of it. If you lose, your, if your house burns down, they're going to be there. If, if anything other, uh, other comes along that normally people would be insured for, they show up. And That's great. They've made a tremendous impact. My wife's mom is a breast cancer survivor. She had it when she was in her mid-40s. My wife's grandmother passed away when she was in her mid-30s from breast cancer. So all the doctors say, hey, you need to be getting mammograms in her mid-20s. Well, insurance won't pay for it because that's not on the chart when you're supposed to do it. Right. Music Care shows up and says, oh, we will pay for it every year. Wow. Uh, they have dental clinics. They do all kinds of stuff. So basically they keep, they keep not just musicians but crew guys, people of the staff, uh, people that are in that world – uh, some level of safety net regarding their health. So they showed up and subsidized Kevin, my guitar tech's chemotherapy. And I thought, amazing. Oh, all right, uh, here's what I'm going to do. i got this awesome plan now. So I'm, I'm a week into reclaiming this health journey, and I said, I'm going to call. Uh, I saw that show on NBC where those dudes run the Iron Man. I'm going to call them and tell them that I'll be their D-list celebrity that goes to, to Hawaii and does this race and uh, I'll raise money and pay back Music Cares, and, and it'll be, we'll be good to go. Well, they looked me up on the internet and saw an enormous dude and thought, whatever, you're, there's no way you can do it. But I was persistent, uh, kept going, kept going, kept going. We played a show in Tampa, which is where their, their headquarters is. At this point in time, I'd lost 75 pounds. I'd been training uh, pretty steadily on the road, um, uh, all over the country. I was, you know, running, swimming, doing whatever, getting it in wherever you could. And I, I called Iron Man guys and said, I'm coming to your office so we can talk about this whole thing. And the, they, the guy says, all right, well, here's what we're going to do then. We're on the, on the, on the water. So we're going to take you for a swim. We'll have a little chat. We'll take you for a swim and then we'll go, uh, have a meeting over lunch. And I think their goal was to, uh, say this guy can't handle yeah, this. Yeah, and to discourage. You. Yeah, yeah. So we you went. Can't, you can't hack it. Uh, you know, and once again, redneck from Mississippi can swim across the river. Yeah. And so we got in swimming. It was also always easy for me. I was in awesome shape. And after that, they said, "Huh, okay, maybe let's go for it." So it started with um, I went to Arizona, raced Ironman Arizona, um, helped them with some press and some PR, and started kind of telling the story there. They asked me to come on as a sp- spokesperson. Um, for a new program that they started called Kona Inspired. And my responsibility, I had seven athletes, all of which who had some form of amazing challenge. Um, uh, anything from uh, MS diagnosis to uh, we had two, two participants, two athletes with uh, cancer diagnosis. So one was stage four by the time we actually got to the race. So I was, in essence, wrangling those guys, helping them the best I could, uh, telling those stories to let people know, hey, these people are doing this. They're doing it with the challenges they have, mm-hmm. so it only stands to reason that the rest of us should be able to pull off some things we didn't, we didn't think we should be able mm-hmm. to do. And so for me, I am, I'm just a you know, silly guitar player who lost some weight, but I'm learning from some people that are going through 
amazingly difficult and challenging mm. uh, situations that are impacting them. By the time we got to the race, one of them had, um, uh, was, was too sick to be able to even fly. But that was, a, uh, that was a game changer for me. Throughout this journey of working with Iron Man, I uh, started doing more projects for them, which led to projects with brands, you know, so whether it was Under Armour, running shoe companies, or... or... So um, as I'm showing up to events to, to be able to, um, uh, to participate, sure. I'm starting to get more and more questions. Hey, can you help me? How did you do this? Mm. Uh, not just in the music space, but just in life in general. Uh, Facebook, uh, you know, uh, music fans, uh, direct messages saying, hey, can you, can you help me out here? Can we do this? And after going to a ton of events, I just started um, taking every seminar I could, going back, uh, working on continuing education, uh, finished my degree, did all kinds of other stuff. And the next thing you know, I wake up one day and I'm one of only about 250 folks in the United States certified on the level that I am as an endurance coach. So now wow. I'm a, a crazy uh, musician and uh, uh, an endurance coach and a nutritionist and all this kind of stuff. But the whole goal of that was not to, not necessarily to help people um, get in shape or to, uh, to do anything like that. My whole goal was everybody has a story to tell. And this is a vehicle that we can do this because we can get some press, because people will be watching someone to go do something uh, ridiculous. And the last thing we need to happen is as they're on a journey to share their story with the world, something silly to happen because they weren't training properly. So they, you know, uh, screw something up, uh, pull a muscle, get sick, do something else. So my thought was, if I can just take care of that piece, then we can tell their stories. And so as a songwriter, as someone who worked in, in that space, uh, I guess I've transitioned now to being someone who not only gets to tell stories through song and guitar and instruments, uh, but also working in conjunction with, with humans to help them share their stories. And I've always felt like... Um, if I were to take your story and mm. I were to follow you around for a little while and I were to um, write it down as I see it and bury it in a cave over at the park, Percy Warner, and 5,000 years from now someone digs it up and reads your story, they're going to think, holy shit, there's some serious miracles going on here. How did that work out? Why did this happen when yeah, you were beautiful. here? Why, why were you there? And I think people have lost sight of the fact that, that when you read of Benjamin Franklin or you read about Moses or you read about people throughout history, all we're getting is the, uh, uh, the most uh, impactful moments. The highlight the reel. The highlight reel. And so what we have to realize is we've each got a pretty awesome highlight reel. You know, there's not, they're not writing about when Moses was parking cars at the Lowe's Hotel or when Benjamin Franklin was bagging groceries at uh, at Whole Foods, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're tying keys to kites and and finding out about electricity and parting the Red Sea. But in the context of everything that we have individually, those uh, th- those moments are just as strong and have just as much impact as they do for anybody else. And I think I talked about earlier a college professor who impacted me greatly. And this was uh, uh, when I was taking uh, Greek and I was trying to figure out how to just communicate and not fail this class. He digs in pretty deep. And so what I learned was the Greek language has an extra tense. So, and I always get this wrong. If there's any Greek scholars out there, give me an email and kind of clear it up. That's a Greek, but I am no scholar. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, English, past, present, future. We get it. Uh, This morning, I had some coffee and some breakfast. Now I'm sitting with you, and later I will go home and hang out with my wife and see what's going on. So that's, that's what we associate with. Uh, some of these ancient languages have a fourth tense. It's called the aorist tense. And what it communicates is, hey, stuff that's happening right now uh, lasts forever. Mm. And it's, and it's a, a moment in time, a punctiliar action that has results that last forever. And so I started thinking, well, wait a minute. you know. So, so for me... I guess I transitioned from, instead of like a Western religious, uh, more Christian view of, okay, only, it's eternal perspective, and that's the only thing we can think about. Uh, well, that didn't necessarily settle. And Eastern, it's all in the moment. It doesn't, you know, it's just, every, you have to be now. It's all about the present. I'm thinking, well, both of them are not necessarily dialed into what's going on. So this finally made sense to me is everything that happens now is going to have uh, an effect that's going to continue forever. And so when you start living, thinking about uh, the now and how it impacts every, every other uh, uh, moment 
you start to realize the power of the story and you realize all the things that are going on. And one of the other pieces that this college professor shared with me, and these, these are the two nuggets that have kind of twisted me forever, is this idea of faith and the fact that faith is so, I guess, Indiana Jones, where you're looking forward, there's a, you know, we're going to cross the Grand Canyon yeah. and there's an invisible bridge here. Well, I think faith so many times is uh, more properly translated uh, in a sense of remembrance. And with that, you think, okay, if you pulled something off in the past, chances are you can probably do it again. And instead of this blind, you just kind of trust. And so I think after you think, huh, I've been able to make it through these things. I've been able to overcome this. Now I have the power to move forward with confidence. And I think that's what these, these events and these races have done for so many people is, is they do something they never thought they could, they could do ever before. They cross the finish line, which is only that heiress tense point in time, which then impacts the rest of their life. And they spend the rest of their life thinking, I pulled off that thing when I was sick or when I was overweight or when never dreamed that I could. I did that, so I should be able to, to overcome X, Y, and Z that's in front of me now. And it's amazing to see how not just um, CEOs and business leaders, and, uh, but the everyman has uh, decided, you know, we got this. We're going to pull it off. If all of humanity, especially everyone listening to this conversation right now, could grasp the truth that you just shared... Everything changes. I think so, man. Everything and changes. It's, I've been thinking a ton about this, and we talked earlier about this kind of this reductionist thing and how the rest of the world's kind of a little more relative, and not to, not to sound like I'm uh, you know, uh, an extremist in one way or other, but I think the world would be pretty awesome if we, if we got a little more comfortable with the gray. And uh, it, it allows us to... I always say songwriting, for example. All you're doing is swimming in the gray with a stranger or someone that you know. And you have to be vulnerable. You have to be able to, to show up in a room with someone you've never met before and say, hey, I've got an idea, and it's about this person, and uh, they're going to be in a truck. And the other person says, well, what if, they're, what if they're wearing a tank top? And I go, okay, cool. What if they're in a truck, wearing a tank top, and Daisy Dukes, they're wearing Daisy Duke shorts. And I goes, I don't know about Daisy Duke shorts. What if it's uh, more, uh, uh, you know, some tight jeans and boots? And you go, ah, oh. I think that could work. And you have this, I'm writing, we're writing country songs right we're now. We're writing Sorry. a country song right perfect. now. Perfect. Next hit. So, so, so what you find out in those relationships is the goal is to create something that the two of you danced with. Yeah. And it's, come, it's back and forth. You have to be safe enough and feel comfortable enough to share your crazy idea. Yeah. Or what might be a stupid idea. Yeah. Uh, but what happens is I could share one of my millions of stupid ideas and then you say, that made me think of this. And you can come up with your normal brilliance. Yep. And uh, so that's kind of what I've learned is if I just am being a dork and just share what I'm feeling, then maybe that empowers somebody to actually yep. have something cool to think and together we can go back and forth. Yeah. So if we approach life as we're writing songs and dancing and, and, and true partnerships, it'd be, it'd be different. I think also from a reductionist standpoint, if we're thinking our only options are failure or perfection then so many people don't do stuff. Golly, yeah. And so now I've, I've kind of transitioned. It's paralyzed. Oh, it's, it's terrible. And, and I started thinking, it's like, wait a minute. So there are hundreds of millions of computers throughout this globe, all of which are stocked with Microsoft uh, Windows as an mm -hmm. operating system. So I feel that in the history of mankind, one of the things we collectively can agree on is that no one feels that Microsoft Windows is perfect. No one. But no one can say that Microsoft Windows is a failure because Bill Gates is the, uh, well, I guess the second richest man in the world second now. Second richest man in the world. Well, what is it? It's not perfect and it's not a failure. It's pretty damn good. And so what about the iPhone? Well... You think every time uh, you know Tim Cook stands up at the Apple uh, Summit and announces a new one that it has everything in it that he wanted from the, from you know the last one? No, but they've gotten comfortable with that. And I think what happens if we all kind of view ourselves as, in some ways, uh, like a software suite? You know, uh, your Microsoft Office. Every 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 day, I open my computer and the notification auto thing pops up and says, oh, there's a new update. There's for... a new update. And no one thinks anything about it. Nope. But for whatever reason, we're stuck in the mindset that this is who I am. This is where I'm stuck. 
And uh, I don't want to go through the rigmarole of pressing download and and uh, going through the oh I got to plug my phone in and it's got to turn off and I got to wait three minutes for it to to redo. Yeah, and it's even beautiful how they get to the point where they come up with an uh, you know they have more shit to put into it right to yeah. fix it. It's it's both the team getting together to say we need to update this and it's also user feedback. It's also people saying this doesn't work, that doesn't work, this key needs to be changed. This when I do this it does that and it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. They fix all this shit, then they send you the new like okay, we've got to update. We've got to update this. And, and that's that's a perfect picture of it, life. For me, the thing that that um, I've taken away from it and, 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 and I'm not promoting uh, AI and that we're all on this. We can get to all the conspiracy theories later. It's so good. We'll do a, we'll do a round two with okay. just conspiracy theories. Um, but I, I, I think the thing that I've taken away from this software thought is the des- developers and designers of this software felt like they were doing um, something really dialed in. They had it spot on. And with an update, they have to then say... We didn't quite get it right, but that's okay because we're fixing it in this update. And what happens if we all live life going, I didn't quite get that right, but now I'm going to do this update. And uh, how, how would your relationships be different? How would your, your creativity be different? How would, how would uh, uh, the way that you relate to other human beings and, and, and all these things be drastically different if you were able to, to go in, look at your, quote, coding and say, hmm, this, these few lines aren't quite what they need to be. I'm going to address those, give myself an update, boom, here we go. Uh, but instead, I think we're okay, uh, or me, I've been okay living like, yeah, I'm just this jacked up piece of software. Uh, there's an update available, but I'm refusing it. And so now this is where I am. Is like I was just talking with a friend. Man, I've gone weird. I'm sorry. No, go, go, I'm go, weird. go, go, go. It's so no, weird. you're not weird. You're, you're. This is very instructive. This is really good. These are things I think about all the time. I'm always excited to hear other people think about this. And in case in point, yesterday just talking with a friend. She's in Morocco right now. This is a big project she was undertaking. And it's not quite working out the way that she thought it was going. A big undertaking. I won't. I don't want to give any more details because her situation is her situation. But big undertaking, very expensive, very time intensive, and it's just not working out the way in the time frame. Not even close to the time frame she thought it was going to work out in. And I just said, you know, take this for what it's worth. I'm not telling you what to do, but don't keep going down this path. Don't keep doing this thing just because you, in many different ways, told the world what you were doing. Don't keep going down this path just because of that. Keep going down this path if it's the right thing to do, if you need to do this, if you need to push through all the shit in the mire that you're kind of wading through, do it because of that. But don't do it because you told everybody about it. Yeah. Like, if you need to stop and just just level this whole thing and start over, no one, all the voices in your head are telling you, you know, you're like, people are going to say, what a fucking failure. Like she, yeah. couldn't, she couldn't do that, man. Nobody's going to do that. Not one person in her world is going to say, golly, you couldn't figure it out. We're all going to root for you and say, try again, do something different. Uh, whatever, whatever needs to be said in that moment. And she yeah. either responded like, I'm crying right now. That's like, a, like I needed to hear that. And I don't know if people weren't telling her that or if she just needed to hear me say it or what. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like we just need to realize that, like, it's not black or white. It's not failure or win. There'll be wins and there'll be failures. And there's a whole fucking journey in between the two of them. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because one of the things that I had, I was, you know, touring with 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 a group that that. Uh, all my friends were with. Uh, it was uh, my family. It was amazing. We slowed down. I was a partner in a creative firm here in town. I was in the studio every day that we were in town. Uh, I'm writing songs, playing guitar, producing, doing all of these things, and, and uh, simultaneously, I'm starting to work with athletes. And I have this major, this crisis point, which is I feel guilty because I'm wanting to. S- divide my time and spend more time helping people tell those stories, getting more involved in that space. But by doing that, I'm going to need to step away from the music world. And this is a space where people move to town every day. I'm living their dreams and I don't want to be doing it. So I'm going to the studio thinking, I don't want to be here today. Mm. I don't want to be playing guitar on this project. I don't want to be. And and so now I'm I'm kind of stuck and I'm paralyzed with all this. And then I think 
rewind five years before that or 10 years before that, every time you're in between gigs, you're thinking, oh shit, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't go get something temporary. I got to fake it because as soon as someone thinks that, oh, well, now you're doing this temp job or you're doing something else, they think either, or what my mind's telling me is, oh, they're, everybody's going to think you're not good enough, so you had to go get a temp job. You can't be a, a pro mm. musician. Or, oh, you're selling insurance now. Yep. And it's not just the, the community. It's everybody at home or everybody that knows you everywhere else. So uh, you just live this life of uh, everybody living, the, living, you know, for me, it's just, you know, you're, you're trying to uh, perpetuate the image. And now it's shifted over to... It doesn't matter because I could paint whatever picture I wanted to on Instagram to make people think whatever I want to happen. And so then I look at Instagram and see everybody else doing cool stuff constantly, and all I'm doing is hanging out. Uh, my wife's on the road, and I'm home by myself. I must not be as cool as everybody else because everybody else you know, is going to a show or going to a fancy dinner or, or uh, you know, doing something fun, but I'm just like hanging out with my dog. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm missing the boat here. Man, it's just, it's a, uh, and so I think what I finally have given my pers- myself permission to do is, is I'm going to be curious about everything. I'm going to dive into everything, and I've been okay um, in all these things before, so it's, it's going to work out. And the other piece of it is I realized that, that the word failure, as soon as it kind of uh, made its way out of my vocabulary, life changes. Because when you go after something, you give yourself permission to come to the fork in the road versus a brick wall. And if, if all you think is there's failure, then you have to turn around and you have to backtrack yep. and you have to come back and you have to confront people that you see, just like you're talking about your friend, where she's thinking, I might have to tell people this didn't work out. Well, what happens if she thinks, I'm going on this project and um, the next phase is going to reveal itself after I bust my ass and go as hard as I can. And I'm going to get to a point where a new decision will be made. And that new decision might have some of the past and, and some of the future. And you realize you thought you were supposed to get there and turn right, but really left is the way you want to go now. And um, uh, this kid that I worked with a long time, his name's Johnny Agar, and he has cerebral palsy. And his dad pushes and pulls him through Ironman races, swims him, pulls him in a, in a chariot uh, behind his bike, pushes I've him. I've seen this kid, not He's, seen him, but I've heard the story. He, it's mind-blowing. And so we did a ton of press when they were doing a big race a couple of years ago. I was supposed to be, quote, coaching him, but what, what in reality is going on is he's coaching me. And so we're doing press, and they're asking a lot of the same questions. And so I just started asking questions because I knew he would be comfortable answering. And we, we got into a conversation about this and, and some of his biggest fears. And he said, I think so many people wrestle with failure as, as, a, as something that is a, is, a, is a primary obstacle. And he said, but for me, uh, my day is a collection of epic failures. If I try to eat, I spill it on myself. If I try to drink, I spill it on myself. If I try to go to the bathroom, I either have to have somebody go or more than likely we're changing diapers. And this is a, you know, uh, a grown man. I, I can't get in and out of my chair by myself. Everything. If you slip and fall, you can't, you, uh, you know, so he's wheelchair bound. And if he slips and slides through his chair uh, and he's stuck. Uh, just constantly, one thing after another, he's trying to talk and his, and his muscles seize up and he can't finish his, his statements. Uh, so he's brilliant. He's bound by these things. And mm. uh, what he said was, failure is nothing that I even consider. All I think about is, uh, I don't want to go to bed at night and think, I didn't try this. I didn't go for it. I didn't take the chance or the risk uh, because that's what I've got. And so his perspective after living life, quote unquote, with a collection of epic failures, you see the things that he goes for and how big he lives and how bold and, and uh, just uh, you go from being dealt what we would consider a hand that you would fold to he lives life like he's got a full house and he's laughing mm. at the dealer the whole time. And so now he's gone on to, um, you know, he's in the most recent under armor commercial with the rock uh he's inspired not just me but a ton of other people and so they're probably once a day where i go against something and go huh i don't feel like doing this oh uh well johnny probably doesn't feel like doing what he has to do and he doesn't complain about it so it resets me i feel like what we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes 
can all be summed up. The things you've shared, your story, things we've been going back and forth on can be summed up in, I feel like we're talking about a holistic sort of life. Like this is not just, because you've talked about a health journey in terms of like food and changing how you do things. We've been talking, you know, the last few minutes about kind of the battle that takes place in the mind. The reality is that to live an intentional life, to, to fully realize I have one go at life and I need to fucking like do it. Every moment matters. This Eris tense, like every, th- what I do right now, whether it's whether I pick up that Reese's peanut butter cup or not, or whether I go do that thing or not, this thing I say to my spouse or my kids or my partner or whatever or not, all of that matters for the rest of eternity. Fully realizing all of that. What we're talking about is kind of a holistic, holistically healthy life. Uh, mind, body, spirit, you know, call it, call it whatever, you use whatever terms you want. Kind of yeah. this very holistic thing. We're living intentionally each day. And that sort of a life is required for someone who wants to give a damn. Absolutely. And I think the, the mission that I feel like I'm on now is anybody that thinks that they're normal, um, we need to rebrand that for them. Uh, mm. There are no normal folks. And so what I'm trying to do is figure out how to ignite people that think that they're normal to realize that they've got epic shit welling up inside of them. And it's not that that person might not have no. horrible things that have happened to them oh, or absolutely to not. them or, or that they don't live in. They might think of normal because they grew up in, you know, Bucyrus, Ohio, like yeah. in, a, in a suburb and like, you know, just a normal kind of sort of life. But it's everything but normal. I mean, Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk talks all the time about like the odds of you being born are like four trillion to one or something like that. If your well, parents would have had, if your parents would have had sex five minutes earlier, five minutes later, you're yeah. not, you're not a thing. Yeah, like I th- you've never existed. I think I, I heard one time that the the um, odds are greater that a tornado would fly over a junkyard and build a seven forty seven than um, this whole single-cell life wild. thing that we got going on here. That's wild. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And so I think everyone is highly combustible. And I think if you um, accept the spark or step into the stuff, then uh, you're going to blow up. And it's, it's more than likely, if you're open, uh, the potential is huge. It can go the wrong way, too. It can. And we see a whole lot of folks going the wrong way. But, yeah. but it's all about the community you're with. And I'll tell you what, if, if that explosion happened and you decide to direct a lot of that energy to doing shit for other folks, um, uh, I'm saying this because I need to hear it, uh, the people that, that I've seen be the happiest are the people that are uh, committed to constantly doing stuff for other folks. And me... You know, I get back to my, I'm sitting here by myself while my wife's on the road, um, you know, go, woe is me pity party, and, uh, you know, I, it, you get depressed. And as soon as you engage with other people and you live life uh, in community, in connection, then boom, the whole wheel starts turning again and uh, you're smiling and going. I don't know. Your Instagram handle is music that moves, mm-hmm. right? So describe that briefly. Like, what what are you trying to accomplish with that? I, I think it's a it's a very worthwhile endeavor. Again, going back to my time on the road, I remember the crew, my people, all fifty of us were working from eight a.m. on, right? Yeah. But the artists, they have you know they have kind of a more like two, three, four hours of intense work toward the end of the day, right? The yep. show, they've got to put it on perfectly. They got a lot of time. before that. So what are you trying to accomplish with music that moves? I started noticing that um, the thing that got me in trouble on the road was the idle time. Mm. And so if I'm sitting still, I'm either eating, drinking, doing something else. And I needed to, once I, once I started down this path of, of trying to be a little more healthy, then that, like you said, this holistic thing, it affects your mind, it affects your spirit. And then when you engage with other people and you go stu- do stuff, it ends up being really, really um, uh, uh, cool. So I started thinking, what if instead of rolling into a city and doing the normal musician, we're going to um, plunder and pillage and throw TVs outside the windows of hotel rooms and and rock the people and leave if we figured out a way to, to, to have a partnership, to have a partnership with the communities that we're, they're involved with. And so Music That Moves, original thought was, uh, let's go in, let's engage in some of these uh, organizations that are in these cities that people might not know about, and let's see if we can come together as a music tribe 
around this celebration of a show and uh, breathe into this organization that's going to have a legacy here in this community. And so this past tour, what we did was we, uh, we took a look at organizations that were started by one person that were, were affected by one thing. Mm. So, for example, a mom whose kids, uh, whose child was uh, affected by pediatric cancer, and she sees a need for parents in that position to have time to spend with their kids, but how are they going to do that if they have to go to work? So all she simply did was, after her child passed, she said, I'm going to start an organization. We're going to pay a, a, a stipend directly to someone's mortgage, that uh, their child is going through pediatric cancer. Mm. So this organization writes a $500 check a month to someone while their child is in the prime phase of uh, their treatment. Simple. Very simple. But amazing. Game changing. Yeah, $500 check when you think you're going under is yeah. the world. And so then you notice more and more organizations throughout the country that were someone that said, I can do this. I can dive into this. So we spent spent the summer... Uh, bouncing in, we did about thirty of them, I guess, and it was everything from um, the uh, various uh, health-related organizations, whether it was cancers or, or addiction or things like that. To um, we worked with veterans organizations, animal organizations, um, uh, women who had been rescued from sex trades. It was amazing and unbelievable, and I saw the power of what one human being can do. And I think this is really what got me to the point of saying, man, everybody is combustible, because these people, most of them had a pretty gnarly experience or something that we wouldn't consider positive that happened to them that, that encouraged them to start an organization. But their response has been beautiful, and the legacy that they've that they've started these organizations for will continue once again. Eris tense forever, and there's this one dude um, who it was in a, a midwestern town, one of these uh, uh, like steelworking kind of towns, rough town, and they uh, were building a hotel in the downtown, trying to do everything they could to revitalize the city. Guy taught school for a gazillion years and decided to retire because he felt like he could do more good if he were to take the job as the doorman at the hotel. And so what he did was he retired, took the job as the doorman because he knew that he could stand on the street and impact people that walked by with joy and kindness and being nice and change the entire vibe of the downtown, which he has done. Mm. One dude decided, I'm going to be a doorman and do this. And all he's doing is saying, I'm going to stand on the street and be nice to people all day. It's amazing. And I just, I got a long, I got a long way to go. Once again, I need uh, Thad version 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 and 5.0, and, uh, but, but we'll get there eventually. And, and you will get there eventually because you're putting yourself in the way of opportunities to change, right? Which is the first step. If you say, I want to change, I want to be better, I want to be 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 version of myself, but you never put yourself in circumstances where that could actually happen, you're, you're fooling yourself. You're tricking yourself. And, and words are f- super cheap, and action is what matters, you know? Thinking back, and this is the first time I've really thought about it this way, but thinking back over the summer, uh, this past tour, we sought out people that had, that had started these organizations. And just by nature of seeking them out and having the privilege that I had of spending a little bit of time with them in the morning. Uh, on show days, I learned things that I don't know that I would have learned in 100 years of reading books and bashing yeah. my head. Seeing someone, seeing someone who's passionate, seeing someone who's alive, seeing someone that's made a difference, seeing someone that's taken a risk is just inspiring. And not just inspiring just to um, go give you kind of the warm and fuzzies, but it, it's a call to action. And that's what these people are doing. It's just like, hey, we're not going to sit on the sidelines and watch. We're going to dive in. Come help us. And so just the way that they interface with with uh, getting volunteers to come in, all of them share share this like super magic thing that is infectious and uh, it's pretty dang rad. And what's cool about what you're trying to do with music that moves, I think, is that artists, especially some of the ones that you like, you're traveling with pretty big bands. These are not like you're seeing when when you're out on the road and even your wife, like she's also with a big artist, you know, uh, there's a lot of adoration coming. Like you're an object of thousands of people's affections every single night. Right. But that doesn't fulfill. That doesn't ultimately fulfill. We can, I mean, look at the last year of deaths within the artist and 
entertainment community. Like that does not fulfill. And so there's a lot of emptiness there. Like that, it, that's a high for a few, you know, there's this endorphin like rush and then it's over and then you're mm-hmm. drinking at the tour bus again. And so this gives people, if this were to catch on, which I ho- really hope it does, this were to really catch on. And I mean, there's so many, I mean, at any given time, there's tons, there's tour buses crossing each other in the highway, going to the next gig, right? In the next city. There's a lot of tours going, a lot of musicians that spend their life, their lives on the road. If this were to catch on, I mean, it's game over for these small mom and pop shop organizations that need help. They need the push. And for those that aren't finding the stage life ultimately fulfilling, well, then an hour a day or two hours a day, every stop you get to help, you get to, because that ultimately is fulfilling for every, you know, artist that doesn't find fulfillment and ends up taking their, you know, sadly taking their life with tons of money in the bank and tons of, you know, people adoring them every day and they still take their lives. For every person like that, you've got thousand people that have given their lives sacrificially, don't have enough money in the bank, aren't really making it in the world standards, but they are fucking happy. Yeah. They're fulfilled. Oh, absolutely. They've got this holistic health thing down. They're yeah. holistically healthy. So we've got to. I'm not saying don't make money. I'm not saying live in abject poverty for you know for the sake of being the next Mother Teresa. But we, we've got to really be honest about what truly matters in life. Make all yeah. the money you want, but that doesn't ultimately fulfill. Giving a damn will. Yeah, there's a there's an awesome story and I forget the the TED Talk guy that that talked about this and and uh, feel free if you if you know this to correct me or anyone to to uh, call in. You, they can't call in. Now, they can't right? call in. But yeah. I'll find whatever talking I'll put Okay, in the show yeah, notes. yeah. Well, you call in now. No, yeah, for, that's right. Um so basically, uh, these guys went to uh, they were working in the mental health field, and obviously behavioral health is something that's huge right now. And, and here we consider, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, all, all of these these issues that are, um, you know, we're approaching uh, epidemic proportions of all yeah. this stuff. I, I heard that the largest uh, demographic of people being prescribed uh, anti-anxiety and depression medication was preschoolers currently, the largest growing. Wow. So uh, they, these, got, these uh, doctors go overseas. They're in Africa, uh, in some tribe, wherever it is, and they're communicating and saying, hey, um, we're trying to, to get a cure for uh, depression and anxiety and all these kind of things. Um, uh, and the guys in the tribe said, oh, yeah, we've got a guy. His wife passed away, uh, and uh, we've given him medication, or he's, he's got a cure. And so long story short, we're thinking about medicine and all these kind of things, and, and what the community did was they gave this man a cow. And uh, he then went on to provide milk for the village, mm. which reestablished his, uh, his why and his purpose. And it reignited him and it pulled him out of his, uh, his state of depression. And, wow. and so, you know, it's a simple way of saying, if you find a purpose and a why that's bigger than you, and you put some juice into that, it's gonna it's gonna work, and you know I'm up and down. I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety, and I do all these things. and And I sit on this podcast and and tell people this is what they need to do, but it's just damn hard. Uh, and and I hope that every time I say it, it resonates, so that when the next version comes out, I can remember and hear what I'm saying, and find those things where I feel like I can I can give and feel like I can impact those because I truly believe. More than you know, uh, more than in a medication that I would take, that that can be a salve for my soul, uh, because I've seen it happen before. Uh, whatever's wired in me that doesn't you know want to believe that in, at night when I'm tempted to have a drink or uh, you know think whatever I think mm. is is, uh, uh, is a battle. It's something that I wrestle with, and and uh, as we sit here right now, I'm just trying to remind myself. Go dig in, work with these folks, get your hands dirty in the real world, live life with people, and be in community, and that's where the power lies. We have gone all over the place in this Sorry, I'm no, random. No, 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 no. That was, there was no need for an apology there. I, I'm, I'm saying that as a positive. We've, we've touched so many things. But it is time. I decided to give myself permission to be curious in life. Yeah. That's my 2019. No, I love it. Please, please do. I mean, that's part of the healthy life is not staying stagnant. It's finding new ways to, uh, not revolutionary, just like new ways to live and to, to exist. So it's been a beautiful journey. 
but let's land this plane. Absolutely. Um, you're in great fucking shape. So hopefully it's many, 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 many years till you die, but you're going to die. We're all going to die. Um, and for some odd reason, I'm still alive and I've been asked to give your eulogy, your family, your friends, your wife, loved ones, everybody's there to celebrate and mourn your life. And I've been asked to speak words over your life and legacy in a couple sentences or in a few sentences. What do you hope that I would communicate that I would say on that day? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and I was, uh, you said this and immediately I, I went on this emotional roller coaster because I say this a lot. Uh, I tell my wife this, I tell uh, people that I'm working with uh, is I tried. And that has a lot of negative, I think, when you say that. But when I think about it, uh, giving it a shot, being curious, diving in, um, is, is something that I'm finding joy in. It's something that for whatever reason I feel like if I can decipher some things that I read and share with somebody else and it turns them on to be curious as well, then maybe that's my, that maybe that's my role. Uh, I think there's probably a more beautiful way that you can write that in this eulogy that you're going to share about me, but uh, I'm giving it a shot. And I hope that I'm not afraid to dive in. I hope that I'm not afraid to uh, sample a lot of things and, and taste all kinds of stuff, uh, not just not just from a, a physical standpoint, but an emotional and mental standpoint as well. I hope that in that, uh, in trying, is also evolving, and is is say, hey, I can. It's inevitable. Yeah, I, I want I want to evolve. I I want to be able to have conversations with people, you know, from years in my past, and say I stood my ground on this. But I was a dumbass, and I'm okay with that because here's what I've learned since then. And um, maybe I, I guess maybe uh, a beautiful redneck way of saying it would be: uh, he realized that he was stubborn, uh, but man, did he work on it. So um, there you go. It's a beautiful life and legacy. Thad Beatty, skater kid, garage bander, guitarist, Ironman triathlete, leader, teacher husband give a dammer it's been wonderful Thank thanks for joining for me. me really appreciate it as always thank you so much for joining us for this conversation thad is awesome i hope you agree i know you agree go follow thad on instagram at music that moves at music that moves and while you're there following his account send him a quick message or leave a comment telling him something that you enjoyed about our conversation. Friends, I'm so grateful for your listening ears and for your willing hearts to go out there and give a damn. There will always be shit to whine about and get upset over, but real change, as you and I both know, happens when we humble ourselves, when we look at solutions more than problems, and when we roll up our sleeves to do hard things and to get to work. Again, thanks for listening to 100 episodes of Let's Give a Damn. To find more information about this podcast conversation and Let's Give a Damn in general, go to letsgiveadam.com. If you love what we're doing on the show, tell a friend. Please tell a friend this week. It's the simplest way to help us grow is to get more people listening. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That takes between, if you just leave a rating, it takes 15 seconds. If you leave a review, another 30 seconds or so. So in less than a minute, you can help us out tremendously. Or lastly, you can consider giving us a few dollars each month to support the production and execution of this show by visiting patreon.com slash let's give a damn. This podcast episode was edited and produced by the incredible Chad Snavely. The music is by the equally incredible propaganda. See you all next week. Peace, my friends. <laughs>